0: Hello, and welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the ups and downs of the creative process and how to keep it moving. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. I am a writer, singer, improv comedy newbie, science fiction geek, and creativity coach who loves helping right-brained folks get unstuck. I am so excited to be coming to you with interviews and coaching calls to show you the depth and breadth both of creative pursuits and creative people, to give you some insight into their experiences, and to inspire you. This week, I'm picking up where we left off last time, when I talked with poet Todd Evans. Todd's sister, Rachel Mariano, also a poet, joined me to talk about her experience growing up in the same artistic family. We talked about when she realized that her childhood was very different from most, how she decided to pursue education rather than theater, and how she's used her role both as a classroom teacher and now as a school administrator to expose students to the arts and encourage them to follow their dreams. And of course, we talked about her poetry. Like Todd, Rachel shares a powerful poem with us and her advice for anyone who's interested in following a creative dream. Without further ado, here's Rachel Mariano. Rachel, I'm so glad you're here. I'm really, really curious to hear about your experience growing up in the same household as your big brother, Todd, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <Yep. laughs>
0: who we just talked to. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's really where I would love to start because, you know, I talked to him a fair bit about what it was like for him. And, you know, growing up in such an artistic household, and I'm curious to hear what it was like for you.
1: Hmm. It was great. Uh, wow. I didn't know how um, different my household was until I grew up, until mm-hmm. I was an adult. Um You know, my norm was that, you know, we would get together and we would do shows for our parents. Um, And sometimes they were puppet shows. Sometimes they were um, plays. Sometimes it was um, (laughs) us taking my younger brother and um, sitting him on my older brother's lap and <laughs> acting as if he were a, um, a mannequin. What do you call those? Not the mannequin.
0: Um, and I, all talking. I can think of now is marionette and that's not right either.
1: Yeah. There's talking dummies. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause my brother had one called Lester McJester. So that's what we would do with my younger brother. Um, we would, um, sometimes, uh, do song, um, we, my younger brother, uh, had a Sesame Street record, so we were always playing um, songs from the Sesame Street record and singing them to our family. When my father would get home from work, he would often just um, he'd lay out on the um, on the floor um, for maybe like a half hour, take a nap, um, and I would dance, and it didn't matter that he was um, not necessarily watching me. Mm-hmm. But um, I would just I I took ballet. My my heart ambition as a child was to be a ballerina. So I would dance all you know in the living room. I I would know that he knew that I was there, and sometimes would catch me dancing. <laughs> um, so it was those type of experiences. Um, my mother um, she was a singer. Um, she sang classical music, um, Broadway music, opera. So um, ironically, down the street was a classically trained, world-renowned pianist who um, became a good friend of the family. Uh, and her children and my brother, we grew up together. So her name was um, Miss Sims, so or Miss Pat. She would come to the house. And my mother would have, um, they would be hers for concerts. And her voice, of course, was strong, was big. So we'd be outside playing. And the kids would be like, ooh. Because <laughs> <laughs> they could hear my mom inside. Your mom and they're doing that play, Um, not playwright, that singing, singing opera. So, <laughs> so that made us different. But, you know, we got used to it at night um my father would um when he would come in from work well after eating and doing all of that stuff then he did his second job which is really his first job which was writing so he'd go Mm -hmm. up to the attic, and he would be typing and you'd hear and go then you hear and that's him talking to himself as he's um you know letting the the characters come to life in his words and then he'd start typing again. And um back then you still had the the, the um where you had to return, you, you had to move mm-hmm. the lever. Yeah. And then the bell would ring. So <laughs> so we'd hear that and that's you know, that's where we went to sleep. Um we were always going to the theater or um to New York or somewhere, um like that. That That was our life. So
0: So it wasn't even just your household. It was the people down the street too. You were really steeped in it.
1: Yes. And then my father had um, a theater as well. So he would, um, the theater was called the Players Company. and It was in the basement of um, the church that um, my mother and my brothers attended. So we were always there there on a Sunday, there on the weekends, there in the afternoon, going to um plays and um rehearsals and it was it was a joy to see you know my father and his element um, mm-hmm. and then there were always cast parties at our house um for whatever sometimes they were reading um, you know our families and friends were. Steeped in the arts as well. So um we just knew it to be normal. um But as I grew older, people would say, How do you know all these songs?
0: Like
1: mm-hmm. my mother used to sing them, you know. And when I went to college, I remember um, going to see Porgy and Beth. And I didn't go to a liberal arts college or any co- I went to a northeastern, huge, you know, college with multitude of people from all different backgrounds and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't it wasn't an arts, or liberal arts school, so different. I'm like, you going to Portia? I'm like, yeah. Don't you want to go? <laughs> 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 and they're like, no, nah, that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was what life was like.
0: So is that when you realized that, that you really had not had a typical childhood that way?
1: Yes. Yes. That's when, the. the um, I mean, I guess to a certain degree, I always knew it. Mm-hmm. But um, it was more pronounced than like, okay, you are really different. Um, and I had to grow comfortable with that because at times I didn't like that. I not like being different.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering how that, you know, how did it hit you when you realized that wasn't normal? Was it sort of like, wow, I was lucky? Or was it more, boy, the rest of you missed out? Or was it something else?
1: Mm, it was um, a combination of both. Um, but in, in the... Um, Teen years and things like that when you go through those awkward teen year mm-hmm. um it wasn't something that I um always wanted to share sure. um but but um it wasn't something that I could hide either because Trenton, where I grew up, was um, not a really big city, but um my mother, in addition to her being a singer. She also um, was director of the art school. Not oh. the art school. I, I didn't mean to say art school. I meant to say <laughs> the um, so the YWCA after school program. Okay. And kids all throughout the city, um, young ladies attended that. So that was like 3 to 6 p.m. And then it also had a summer component. So she was well known for that. Um, my father um also taught college at Trenton State College and um he served on different boards and things like that so people knew us. Um and it it wasn't you really you were like, Oh, that's Don's daughter, that's Fran's daughter mm-hmm. and of course there was there was some pride in that, you know. Um, but there also was a desire sometime to hide from it, at least for me. Sure. Um my older brother um, and my younger brother didn't. I don't think they had that same, um, sometime discomfort that I had with it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what what did it take in order for you to feel more comfortable once you realized how different it was?
1: Uh, the the drive for the arts because after a while it's like well this is what I love to do. Um, mm-hmm. So not, so not to do it um, was holding back on who I was. So it was like come hell or high water, no matter how uncomfortable at times it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I, I got to do it, you know? Um, so I just did. And then the other thing that was liberating is I went to a, um, I went to performing arts high school Mm-hmm. and they it was the first year that it opened so i was the first it was only 2 years um juniors and seniors um so i was the first junior class and the first class to um graduate um in the 2 year program mm-hmm. and that that was liberating because at that point then i was really among peers right know, and i could um i just really felt comfortable and those were two those those were probably the two best years of all of my um 12 years. And I had good years in in you know K to 12, I'm not saying that, but mm-hmm. they were the ones where it like all came together. Sure. Uh, and that was pivotal for me, it really was.
0: Well, that makes sense cuz mm-hmm. yeah, you're not going to feel like such a weirdo when everybody else is like you.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah right, right yeah yeah and it's um it's funny because prior to its opening, um this was all during when fame was big, fame mm-hmm. the movie, fame the t v show, and I wanted to go to a school like that, so I shared that with my parents, and they were considering um having me go live in Philadelphia with some of my relatives. And so that I could, you know, attend the Performing Arts High School in Philadelphia.
0: Mm-hmm. And then all
1: of a sudden, one opens in in Mercer County, and I was like, awesome.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: hmm
0: So, you know, when when Todd first told me about you, he said that you were a poet, but you obviously are a lot more than a poet. What all else do you do?
1: Uh, theater. Um, my Well, my first ambition was dance, uh, and I wanted to be a ballerina um but what what curved that pun intended was um i had sco- scoliosis oh and i had yeah i had to stop dancing for a period of time because it was pretty aggressive
2: mhm and
1: in, and during that time I um you know began to pursue other things I, I um also played the piano but I was not good at it. Not 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 good. <laughs> but um I took it anyway. <laughs> good for you. So that yeah. Um I played the flute a tiny bit, but again not 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 good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my main my main um expression of arts was through theater and um poetry. The poetry piece came in as an adult, really. Um, I had written poems as a kid, but just, you know, didn't really see that as a gift until I mm-hmm. got older. Yep.
0: So when you went off to college, did you do theater while you were there or did you switch it to something completely different?
1: I... Did very little theater while I was in college. Um, I was accepted into um, Mason Grove School of the Art. Oberlin um, for theater and probably could have gone anywhere um, for theater. And that's not set out of a haughty spirit, but just confident. mm mm-hmm. um, But... What I desired more than that, and I knew that even at seventeen, um was a a family life that wouldn't be complicated right. um, by um the arts and and that is crazy because I mean hmm. oh yeah. I just thought it would be easier mm-hmm. not to to have that, that extra pull. Uh, so I, so I didn't pursue it wholeheartedly. And I pursued my other passion, which is education. Um, and I went for teaching and that's been the bulk of my life, you know, since that time. And it's only over in the last 10, to 15 years, that I've really gone back to, um, the other side, the artistic side and developing that.
0: So I'm just curious, since, since your father also taught, was that a big influence mm-hmm. in
1: your decision to teach? Yes. Yes. I, I, I loved seeing him, him teaching. It, it was always in my, it was in my bones. It's in all of us. Um, mm-hmm. My, my younger brother, you know, I, I taught him and he mm-hmm. was, um, and, and silly stuff, but I I can, clearly remember teaching him the abc mm-hmm. um and just teaching him how to read certain words and things like that so that was um very pivotal in in my decision to pursue education um my mother also you know in in the after school program a mm-hmm. teacher as well so um it, i guess it was just the a natural, it's a natural path to pursue, um, but uh, there were some sacrifices too in, sure. in not pursuing. It. Yep,
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, did you decide to teach theater or
1: to teach something else? No, I decided to teach elementary school.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: It was but that teaching the midst... a little brother that that must have done it right?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Elementary, middle, uh, and now I work as an administrator in um, high school and assistant principal. Mm -hmm. But um, throughout all of that, um, the arts has always been there. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, when I did graduate from college, um, one of the things that I stated was that I wanted to always have a school in which I would integrate the arts and education. So um, that has happened in so many different ways. Uh, uh, wherever, whatever school I've been in, I've always had um, programs like the Philadelphia Young Playwrights Festival. Um, I've had um, the uh, Dancing Classroom Philly, all different things that connect with the arts because when that happens, the children open up. Yes, They they discover more of who they are and it becomes a catalyst to take them to different places.
0: Yes, absolutely. I used to teach Mm -hmm. English as a second language and I always did a creative writing unit with my kids, even though a lot of the people that I taught with didn't think that they could do it. And I was like, of course they can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, the grammar may not be perfect, but of course they can do it. And it was amazing what came out of them. So I'm sure you've seen some phenomenal things
1: hmm I have.
0: Is there any one in particular that stands out?
1: Wow. Um, through the invention of Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> I've been able to connect with a lot of my students, my first students. Mm-hmm. And um, they're now in, ooh, I'm going to date myself. Um, <laughs> they're now in their 30s. Mm -hmm. And one of them said to me, like I reconnected with her and she's, you know, and now has children herself. And she's like, You know what? I'll never forget the play that I wrote. And the play that she wrote was called Shovel My (laughs) Sidewall. And she said, I told my kids, yeah, that I wrote a play. They're like, No, you didn't, mom. And she said, You gotta you gotta tell them that I said, I will. But just to know that now this woman is in her thirties and she remembers that play that she wrote. And that play Mm -hmm. went on to be performed, um, in Philadelphia and it also went to the New York level. At that point, they had um, connections with New York for production there. So she, um, she remembered that and she, she's gone through some hard times in her life and things like that. But the value, uh, or one of the most valuable moments in her life where she recognized what a shining star that she is happened through, you know, the, through the arts, through theater and through writing. Mm-hmm.
0: That's fantastic. I love that, especially that there was a New York connection. That must have been amazing for her Indeed. and for the rest of you, but still, you know, that, that's the kind of mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, I, that, that's why I taught the creative writing unit you know it's like you you need to have a chance to do something that's a little bit different and use the other parts of your brain and actually see what you can do that maybe you didn't think you can do. So I I hear where you're coming from on that. I really do. Yeah. How how does being an administrator compare for you to being a classroom teacher? Especially oh, in wow. terms of the arts.
1: Well, it it gives you a, a um a broader um brush to paint with. Mm. You you can um you can spread a vision over um a larger audience. The um, and and you don't have to worry, you have um you have more resources at your disposal to get certain things in. Like I remember, um, as a teacher, when I was informed that we could not do um, young Playwrights anymore, mm. and it, it was it was about funding at that time,
2: right? And
1: um, I said, okay, I'll raise the money, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and we did. We, you know, we sold M and M's and candles and stuff like that. But as an administrator now. Um, I have the opportunity to um, make certain that I can do whatever I possibly can do to get that money in so that the kids have it. Um, Even at one point when the district didn't have much money at all, um, going through some financial crisis, I began to network with different organizations where we'd have residents come in. Mm-hmm. And they would just do some different workshops with the children for for a few weeks and then they would we would do um we'd create different um events. Like we did um uh, the name of the school was Bernie goes to um Bernie goes to Harlem, right? The name okay. of the school was Bernie. So we did a whole thing on um a Harlem Renaissance and then we did another thing called um uh, we took Walt Whitman's I'm Large, I Contain Multitudes mm-hmm. and took his poem. And that became an opportunity for us to do a cross-cultural exchange uh, or study of the various cultures that um, make up America and specifically made up that school. And the children learned um, oh, uh, Korean dancing. They learned pottery. They learned um, African dancing, was just, it was, it was amazing. And I felt um, very fortunate to be in a position where it wasn't just 30 students that I was impacting, Mm -hmm. but 600 and some.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I'm Mm -hmm. getting goosebumps just listening to this because it sounds fantastic. Yeah. You know, what you can do even when you don't have a whole lot of money, just because you're determined to do it is Mm -hmm.
1: pretty amazing, Mm -hmm. really. Right, right.
0: Do you ever miss being in a classroom?
1: Oh, yeah, I do. I do. Um, But what fulfills that um, desire is when I'm able to lead a um, professional development. Mm. So I just have exchanged students, you know, in in terms of your K-12 audience, to um, an audience of, of adults.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what's funny about that is I will often have folks come up to me and they'll say, are you an actor I'm like yeah. <laughs> that? So we can see it in you. So, And I think every good teacher is, um, regardless of their exposure in the art. But mm-hmm. um, I, I know that they see that in me because it is in me, um, and it's in me pretty deep, maybe deeper than some other folks.
0: Yeah, I never really thought about it, but but you're right, when you're going to get up in front of students, there's mm-hmm. definitely some acting that's involved there, even if it's just that it's you only bigger, right? You know, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'm curious about how you landed on poetry. Oh.
1: Wow. Um, That probably stems initially from my parents because um, my father and my mother both would read us stories and poetry, um, you know, before we go to bed. Not every day, Mm -hmm. but they would do that. So I grew up hearing um, poetry, especially a lot of African-American poets. Mickey mm-hmm. um, Giovanni, um, uh, Alice Childress, um, the list goes on and on. Um, and then, in addition to the teaching aspect of my parents, um, especially in the mid seventies, um, at the college, uh, which is now the College of New Jersey,
2: mm-hmm. we would
1: have different artists come in uh, and you know perform for the students. So I heard, you know, um, Nikki Giovanni and others come in and, and do poetry. And Alice Children would come to the theater. She would come to the after school program. Um, so I heard it. And then um, in third grade, I remember one of my first poems that I wrote um, was for Black History Month. And the teacher posted it in the classroom, and it was there for, probably till June. (laughs) So that, yeah, that encouraged me. I remember, literally, I know it was there for a long time because it was all um, battered, you know, had
2: Mm -hmm.
1: stains and things on it, but it was up there. So, um, writing those few poems at that time in my life um, just kind of set a seed there um, that continued. And then the next poem that I wrote that was significant to me wasn't really until I got married.
2: Oh, wow. um,
1: and I yep. I wrote a poem for my husband, uh, well ex-husband. <laughs> 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 and um I delivered it to him on um our wedding day and I recited it. Um and folks were like, Wow, you can really write, and I'm like, Okay, yes, yeah. (laughs) But I never really thought about it as something um, for more than just me, you know, Mm because I would write in my journal too. But then from that occasion, people would say, can you write a poem for my brother or my sister or my cousin? Can you write it for this occasion? So I began writing poetry based upon, you know, someone saying, well, you write this. And that began to um, really push me back Mm -hmm. into poetry and writing.
0: Is there any connection, just just as I'm listening to you talk about this, and I'm I'm kind of struck by the fact Mm -hmm. that you heard poetry probably before you ever really read it. And Mm -hmm. growing up in that environment with theater and music, was there a a sort of musical element, a performance element to poetry, even when you were just writing it?
1: That's interesting. Yes, especially with, um, like, well, Staggerly um, and the stories of um, the African folklore
2: Mm -hmm. stories.
1: There's a certain rhythm to it. And my father would read them. Um, as I was saying earlier. So he would read them. So there's like a a musical thing catered to it. And then um, my godfather um, was also a poet, a writer, professor, and he would come to the house um, and both he and my father would be, you know, um, reciting these poems and things that he had written. So I grew up hearing that Um, in addition to the fact that my mother sang so they would do things together
2: mm-hmm. where
1: it would be my godfather um is reciting poetry my mother is singing it uh, or other works um not necessarily singing the poems but other works of um like the broadway classical or the the spiritual so they always went hand in hand with me they did i never thought about that to you. <laughs> it mm-hmm.
0: it, yeah it just seems like you know because there is a, a music to poetry with all the rhythm and mm-hmm. and sometimes the rhyme and all of that so it just mm-hmm. seems mm-hmm. like it would it would fit so was todd already writing poetry when you started
1: yeah um it, so that's an inspiration too because i remember he wrote um a short story he wrote poems too but he wrote a short story that um was submitted to um Ebony Junior magazine, which was the children's version of mm-hmm. um, you know, Ebony. And he won and that was huge, you know. And I remember, you know, my parents and the family celebrating that. Um, and just to see like a published piece of work sure. um from from someone from your brother, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay. A kid can do this too, so um, it did plant seeds in you know in my life um, at that early age as well.
0: He did not tell me that story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he 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 um he was very much um, ingrained in in writing at an early age, and then uh, did he tell you that um, he could have been um. He had a the the major um, networks ABC, NBC, um, CBS were pursuing him to for movies because he had been in this uh, movie on um, NJ network was it New Jersey network? But my parents wanted him to have a normal life too. So I don't think he told me that. about
0: that. I think I would mm-hmm. remember
1: that. <laughs> yep, yep, he was, he, he was holding this. out on me. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to remember the movie. It was um oh, it's about the first black male millionaire. I can't remember his name right now. But and he played him as a kid. So yeah, he, he was highly pursued. Wow. Yeah. hmm
0: So there was even more going on than I ever expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. so. It must have all seemed so much more possible to you than it does to most kids.
1: You're right. It's true, and and that was everything seemed so much more possible to me. Um, I, I guess because I saw my family, um, excel in so many different things that I I, I know didn't seem possible. Mm-hmm. um you know and, and when and I remember like the first time I didn't get I, I was applying for this job I'd, I'd already gotten a job but was a new school and I didn't get it I was like what <laughs> 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 because that's just the way I was raised it's just like you you got it and I um I now have grown that have a greater appreciation for my upbringing and also a greater appreciation for those who haven't been Mm -hmm. raised that way and what it does to your psyche and why some of the the, um, the students that I teach can't see very far beyond where they are. Um, Yeah. mm -hmm.
0: How do you address that with them?
1: Carefully, because Mm -hmm. if you go in there and you're like, yes, you can, they are like, please, do you understand Mm -hmm. what I see? So I have to, I have to build a relationship with them first Mm -hmm. and help them see that um, I value them right where they are for who they are. And then just keep reminding them of how special they are um, and make it certain that I make eye contact with them. And I, and I say, morning, lady, morning, sir. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those, those simple things um, and that I'm consistently there um, because folks are so used to being abandoned that they don't yes. trust you for a while until, until they see you're going to be there. And then after they trust and you build a relationship with them, you just begin to to show show a little bit more. You meet them where they are, like with the Philadelphia Young Playwrights Festival. We start with uh, improv, you know, Mm -hmm. or you, you start with rap and then you talk about the theatrical part of that and you just build them up and you just take them to new levels, to new levels, to new levels. And... Um, expose them, take them to the theater, take them to to see dance, um, to the to Harlem School of Dance, and then expand them beyond what's comfortable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you did ballroom dancing. They weren't comfortable with that at first. You just, <laughs> keep, you just keep showing them different things and pushing the envelope until they're, they're a little bit more comfortable with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I think the most important thing that you may have just said is about Showing them that you value them right where they are. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us at any age don't hear that very often. So, you know, to be in a position to do that for kids and and try to get them out of their shell or their preconceived notions of what they can do and be is really powerful stuff. It is. It is. I, you're making me jealous, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i want to go do that because i i love that kind of stuff that's that's why i'm a creativity coach i love helping anybody to say so what if you're you know 63 years old and you've never written anything Mm -hmm. before that doesn't mean you can't and it's just as true if you're 13 Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter it's just about try it out see what happens right so what do you do with your poetry these days
1: well, um, one of the things that I, well, what do I do with it right now? I try to share it more. Um, and my brother, my eldest brother, um, has helped me to do that. Um, Pushing me out there to do, to do more of my work in open mics and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, I'm working on a book. Um, and the book is called Lip. Life issues poetically
2: <laughs> okay so,
1: yeah, um, so I'm taking um I think it's going to be ten, it might be twelve, I'm not sure, um, ten just life issues or yeah, life issues, life events, um uh love, um loss, mm-hmm. death, um new beginnings, things of that nature, and finding poems that I've written that line up with that particular area mm-hmm. and then exposing people to the story behind that particular poem. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a little different.
0: Yeah, but I think that sounds really interesting. I always love knowing where things come from.
1: Me too. Me too. And I, um, I wanted to take the guesswork. Sometimes out of a, a piece, I wanted no. I don't want to take the guesswork out. I wanted to present, to maybe make things more open.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, share share the author um, or the poet um, thinking behind that, because a lot of times we're guessing, and right. there's, there's there's a certain coolness about that too, because it, it keeps you on your toes. But I also think that sharing something doesn't have to shut down someone else's creativity or their viewpoint on it. It just gives you another another lens, another way to look at it.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we all see things through our own experience. So we're all going to see something different anyway. But it's still interesting to hear somebody else's perspective on it, especially if they're the one Mm -hmm. who wrote it. But even if they aren't, you know, that's kind of what all those high school English classes are about to a certain extent mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. they can get kind of bogged down in the details sometimes right but, Right. Right. but No, that sounds like a really cool idea mm-hmm. when you started doing open mic were you comfortable getting up and performing in your own work in front of people or did theater make it more I want to be somebody who's not me when I stand up in front of others
1: no um I, I enjoy being me um that That's the crazy part because um, I am, or at least I should say, was very, very shy mm. growing up, but put me on a stage and bam, it was like this whole nother world opened up. And that's the same way I feel about um, my poetry. And when I'm up there, I can give it a voice like no one else can. Um, -hmm. and that's, that's liberating to me. Mm -hmm.
0: Sure. And do you still take requests from people or do you mostly write your own things now?
1: I, I still take requests, but I find myself now writing more of my own things. And I also, um, the poetry now is, um, there are a lot more, analogies in it, Mm -hmm. a lot more metaphors than I found um, in my earlier writing and that um, I'm appreciative of it but at the same time it's a little bit um, frightening too because I I don't ever want to lose my audience. One of the things that I always thought um, made my poetry uh, special is that anybody could understand it
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know they could get it they could flow with it and now I'm like writing these things I'm like okay okay I get it but did anybody else get it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so I want to make certain that I have that balance but at the same time I also don't want to lose this new thing either right because it, it could be um, could be just something really special, too.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, and there's room for other people to interpret those metaphors their own ways, too, on top of which, which may, you know, do something completely unexpected.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So do you and Todd ever write together or compare notes or, you know, kind of go over each other's poems? Or is it a completely independent thing?
1: It's a completely independent thing in this sort, in this standpoint of just both of us writing. Mm -hmm. um, Well, he writes his poems, I write my poems. But um, what is cool is when one is written, it's like um, you want to share it real quick.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You got to get it out. So um, we will call each other and share um, different things that we've written. And that's cool, you know. Um, to be the first one that hears it, you know, a a, a new child. actually. Totally.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And and this is reminding me that he actually read a poem for us that he had just written about half an hour before we did our interview. Do you have anything (laughs) that you would share with us?
1: Ah, you know, that's funny. I didn't think about it, but yeah, I do. Let's see. What can I share with you? Okay, I will do one um, in honor of um, Black History Month. Great. All right, and this one's not uh, a very long one. It's called Black Black Beauty Found in Roses. Rare, unique, a composition of what many said just could or should not be, but yet you were and are fine leaders of your home Villages, cities, states, churches, corporations, universities, colleges, grammar, and high schools, using the diversity of your God-given tools. Royal and wise kings of Timbuktu, Mali, and Shanghai, creating mathematical equations and libraries long before Asia and Europe, causing many to look up at what you created. Simply. Stated, you are rare, unique, a composition of what many said just could or should not be, but yet you were and are tragically countless. A composition of charred strength hung mercilessly from a poplar tree, a composition of melanin whipped bleeding flesh, striving to maintain a human spirit that says, despite your animalistic enslavement of me, I will not be broken. God's spirit has spoken through me, despite your perverted teaching of him to me. Can't you see that beautiful black rose that One seldom knows exist, but yet when one notices, can barely resist, but must insist on admiring your beauty, strength, resilience, intelligence, and creativity. Come and see the compilation of the world's nations composed in one hue. Black Rose, God first created you, strength, tender, and thorns bloom and let your fragrance fill the earth rare unique a composition of what many said just could or should not be but yet you were and are simply beautiful
0: oh I love that thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing that it's amazing Thank you. (laughs) Oh, this is powerful, powerful stuff, especially to hear you read it. Thank you. Wow. So I'm wondering, as we're getting near the end here, if there's any particular thing that you've learned from working with your students or any piece of advice that you would offer to anyone who's listening who's a little bit hesitant about maybe what they want to do or isn't sure that they're really a writer or a poet or a dancer or a musician or an actor
1: hmm. i'd say go forth and just do it if you fall so what that in a, in and of itself is a journey is a lesson to be learned that that can enrich your experience and be true. Be true in whatever you do. Um, when it comes to, um, to writing poetry, one thing that I've always kept as a, a rule for me is don't be confined. Don't let the poetry, don't let the, the rhyme be the thing that masters your message. Um, tell the message. Don't worry about a rhyme. Don't worry about that. Just tell the story. Um, because if you let the rhyme or the, the, um, configuration limit you, then you might miss something that needs to be said.
0: Yeah. Getting hung up on the nitty gritty details and losing the big picture. Yeah.
1: hmm hmm Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> We
0: did that really well together, almost like we
1: did. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic, and I've really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you a little bit.
1: Likewise. That's
0: our show for this week. Many thanks to Rachel Mariano for sharing her story with us. Tune in next time for the last in this series of sibling interviews when I talk to Todd and Rachel's brother, jazz pianist Oren Evans. As always, thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. You can find show notes, the six creative beliefs that are screwing you up, and more at fycuriosity.com. I'd also love for you to join the conversation on Instagram. You'll find me at fycuriosity. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade.